0: We've really tried to drive flexibility as an organisational value. So work not being a place that you go, but it being what you do and achieve. The whole
1: notion of the workplace and why we bring people together is being questioned.
2: There has never been a time where we have learned so much at such a rapid pace.
3: Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, It's the Future of Workplace Flexibility webinar. I'm your host, Emma Walsh. I'm the CEO and founder of Parents at Work. It's great to have you here today, and thanks for giving up your time and and being here for the next hour. um, We've got some great things to share with you. Um, We've got three fantastic panellists who I'll introduce in just a moment. But this really is an hour for you to uh, not only hear from the experts that we've got on the webinar, but really to ask your questions. So we'd love you to interact, and I'll give you Uh, some suggestions on how you might do that in just a moment. But it's a pleasure to welcome you. And if this is your first time on a Parents at Work uh, webinar, you're welcome. It's great to have you here. We are uh, running these webinars for employers and families, really with the whole idea of how do we thrive at work and at home. And I think that's never been more challenging than obviously the time that we're living and working through right now. And just when you think things might be, you know, starting to get into a routine, it's, you know, it's changing again, and I know a lot of workplaces and individuals have had to grapple with this sort of changing circumstances of how we work and live. And so today our plan is to share with you um, some insights around that, what other organisations are doing, um, the impact obviously that it is having on individuals and businesses, and what we can actually do to... um, you learn from each other really and have this discussion together. So, um, why is that important? Let's just start with some context. Well, I think in my, from my point of view, and I think for many, the future of work really has arrived. So, you know, I think for many of us it's been a bit quicker and a bit faster than anyone was quite ready for. I know a lot of organisations have been working towards having more flexibility, um, you know, really, you know, working to have more agile workplaces and work remotely, et cetera. But I don't think anyone expected the speed of which we would all suddenly be working from home to suddenly be here. And of course, it's more flexible and fluid than ever before. And as a result, for leaders, you know, they're having to rapidly adjust how they do work, um, lead teams and, and business models and so on. So this is really, you know, a big challenge for organisations. It's also a challenge for individuals but it's an incredible challenge for leaders as they try not only to navigate themselves through this, but teams of people as they do this. So let's welcome our panel. Uh, First of all, I'd like to welcome Shona Watson. She's the General Manager of Human Resources at QBE Insurance. Welcome, Shona.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: And Kristen Miller is the Head of Workplace at Westpac Group. Welcome, Kristen. Hi, everyone. Hi. And last but not least, Stephen Barrow, who's the executive director of People and Change at KPMG, and the director of the Diversity Council of Australia as a board member. Welcome, Stephen. Hi,
1: thanks very much. Hello, everyone. Thanks.
3: thanks, Emma. Hi. Okay, so I promised some housekeeping, and how do you can be part of this conversation? So, if you, I'm assuming most of you are really familiar with Zoom now. Um, if you weren't before, I think we all suddenly are rapid experts on it, but Uh, If you are new to this kind of interactive uh, Zoom, you can use the Q&A function and chat function that you'll find um, on your screen. We've obviously got all the attendees on mute so that we can have this conversation and then get you to obviously contribute through that chat and Q&A so we can get to as many of those things as possible. And it wouldn't be um, right to have this webinar without saying that interruptions are okay. So if you've got a little person at home who may just wander across um, your screen, can't promise that that won't happen to us (laughs) as panellists. Some of us have got kids at home. And so I just want to say that interruptions are totally okay and welcome. We are recording this session so you'll have a chance to go back and play if you have to leave the conversation earlier. So I thought we'd start today's conversation with obviously trying to just take a moment to appreciate what has changed um, and really what's happened for people for a minute, because it's easy to have found ourselves, I guess, caught up in all the um, enormity of what's happened. And, you know, for most of us, you go into that quick first response, you know, how do you deal with an emergency unfolding before you? Quick get to action and do whatever you can to triage what's happening around you. And often we don't have in that moment, the chance to reflect on how we're feeling and what we're experiencing. And that often doesn't happen until after something has passed. But the challenge with what we're living and working through is there's no quick fix to this there's no um line at the end of the sound you know line at the end of the tunnel where we know that you know on the june 1st this is all going to be over with Um, so we are living with a very uncertain future and for that um, you know for many that's a very challenging you know evolving situation for us all to work through and i think um, as many of us are you know in the field of people and human resources and um, change experts, it, it is obviously the starting point to just acknowledge what has changed and what's happened for people. Um, and, and I think there's no longer quite a divide between work and home life. It's now blended without boundaries and that brings just a whole lot more um, complexity to the way that employers and people come together to obviously you know, work and, and live. So. I'm going to bring Kristen in first to say, could you share with us what are some of the things you've noticed about your people as you've noticed the change unfold around you at your organisation? Okay, thanks Em. Um,
0: so just a bit of context, I look after um, Westpac's workplace function. So we've got about 25 corporate sites across Australia, um, of which we normally have about 25,000 people in our offices. So a couple of months ago, when obviously COVID um, hit us, we were down to probably about 3,000 of what we deemed essential staff in our offices. And that's kind of varied between about 3,000 and 4,000 nationally over the last couple of months. And we kind of uh, went from on any given, I guess, Friday um, in our in pre-COVID world, there'd probably be Two or three thousand, maybe up to five thousand people working from home. So, working remotely and using, um, I guess, the technology that Westpac had available. At the peak, um, the last few weeks, we've had about 22,000 people working remotely online at the same time. So quite a huge shift for um, our organisation and quite a huge shift for leaders and and employees around how they actually think about getting their their work done each day, each week, and thinking about um, rejigging our operating rhythms. Um, We used to have kind of quite... uh, in some some instances a lot of presentees and we, we started about seven years ago with a I guess our future of work program and you know a, a number of teams have gone through a journey where we've we've really tried to drive flexibility as a organizational value so work not being a place that you go but it being what you do and achieve but significant variations, I guess, around leaders' capability to um, work with that and and to allow people that um, freedom to work remotely. So now we've kind of fast-forwarded probably what we predicted would take us about five years to do in a number of months. And we've been really fortunate that from the top down, um, our CEO is really driving that flexibility and saying, look, um, let us know what you need to be effective at home and how do we actually help you um, really leverage this flexibility and make this our new norm. So we're a bit excited from a HR and a workplace perspective around how do we actually um, fast track our, what, what was our strategic agenda um, with having the backing of our you know, leadership team and, and leaders across the country. So it's a pretty exciting time in some ways for us as
3: well. Mm. And, you know, how do you think people are feeling about all of that? Because it sounds, you know, you know just extraordinary that you've been able to roll that out so quickly. I, you know, I, I know that there's certainly organisations that really almost were paralysed and weren't able to do any of this because they didn't have, you know, preparation, if you like, um, for it. But, you know, given you have been working on this culturally for some time and you've you know, got the infrastructure in place to do it, How are people responding to it? How are they feeling about it? I think there's
0: two camps. So you've got the people that are actually just relishing in the new freedom, like to be able to actually manage your own time and prove that you can be actually more productive at home. Um, And then you've got others that are struggling for for many reasons from either their roles are Used to being um, much more collaborative um, in a physical sense, and mm-hmm. so they've had to learn new ways and 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 learn to get up to speed with new technology to enable that collaboration online. Um, and others, uh, like we were chatting before, around people. Um, from a a mental health perspective or just personal circumstances, really um, struggled having that isolation, I guess, and not having that social contact on a regular basis. So we've kind of found we've got two um, distinct groups of people. But we have surveyed people along the way. So every week we do a pulse survey. And interestingly, about 60% of our people are saying they, on a permanent basis moving forward, want to work at least three or four days a week from home. So that's Mm. a huge shift from, you know, our culture used to be maybe one day a week and a lot of the time that day was a Friday. So Mm. um, people are now saying this is actually really getting into the groove of this and, and actually would like to do this on a more permanent basis, which is, yeah, it's interesting.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly worth just noting that obviously one solution doesn't fit all. And, I, you know, intrinsically we know that, that makes sense. But when you're trying to roll out, you know, principles and policies across organisation that apply to many, how do you keep everyone happy? You know, how do you keep the momentum? How do you keep people, um, you know, feeling that they're able to um, you know, engage no matter where they're working. I, I think that's a challenge, that's certainly a question that we've had come in. How do we sure ensure we don't go backwards as people start returning to the workplace and any kind of potential things we've leveraged, you know, keep working for people? It, it's a, yeah, I think a bit of a challenge.
0: I mean, I, I look after the employee experience from a workplace perspective as well, mm. and we- we've actually had um i I found that you know in a crisis when people really step up and Mm. people like bandy together and actually have a bit of fun with some of this so so Mm. we've kind of said go for it so a number of my team have been doing things like we've they've created like entertainment guides for kids um you know coloring in and we've emailed that out we've done a sort of a playlist on Spotify, so we've asked everybody nationally to give us our top, give us your top three songs, in, um, and then we've compiled a, a playlist of, you know, 12 hours that people are kind of, um, you know, connecting with. So we've just kind of been pushing the boundaries a little bit of mm. what you would normally do, which has been quite fun.
3: Yeah, and being creative and innovative. Yeah. Um, Shona, I'm going to bring you in, you know, your thoughts on, you know, what, people have been experiencing in your workplace and, you know, what do you think the challenges are facing business?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good question, right? I think if we, if we go back to March um, and, you know, overnight we went from, ooh, you know, what's this pandemic that's happening? Maybe we might need to change the way we work to just a, a complete sort of switch overnight to, uh, you know, thousands of people working from from home. And there was the, the, the clear logistical challenges of how do you make that happen and how do you make that happen really quickly, um, both in Australia and, and a number of other countries overseas where um, technology is perhaps less enabled. Um, and, and I think the, the HR team and the technology team uh, within QBE just responded phenomenally well to, uh, to set up Uh, a a workforce that largely did not work from home Uh, pre COVID sort of 74% of our workforce either had never worked from home or or didn't have a regular work from home uh, environment to, to, you know, almost a hundred percent. And so I think the logistical challenges was, was, you know, one of the, the, the factors facing the business. And I think as we kind of go back to a gradual return, I think that's even more complicated. Um, The, the other thing for me is, You know, as I I reflect over particularly, I think, the last couple of weeks, things that started off being challenges, Mm. uh, for me, have almost turned into opportunities. You know, there has never been a time where we have learned so much at such a rapid pace. Mm. And uh, to the question that that was um, mentioned before, it's sort of, you know, how do you return to your new normal without returning to our old selves? You know, what have we learned through this process that actually... Um, is, is something we want to kind of keep as, as part of our, our way of working in, in DNA. And, you know, I think the, there's, there's a few things that we've learnt, with, uh, you know, that started off as challenges that, that are potentially opportunities. I think we've learnt uh, more consistently that, you know, what we deliver, you know, the work that we do is actually more important than, than where we work. Uh, and um, I think the challenge is that we're much better at measuring where we work uh, than, mm, than, you know, what we're doing and, and the output. Um, I think we've learned the importance of open conversations around well-being. That's never been brought more to the front, you know, as we're dealing with a lack of connectivity uh, face-to-face. We're dealing with much more um, challenging uh, uh, pressures in terms of balancing work life, uh, but also, uh, you know, physical well-being. You know, we, we shifted a work environment where we moved from meeting to meeting and we went out and grabbed lunch to... We sit at our desks all day, and we click, you know, uh, between between meetings virtually. Um, and so, how we've we begun to to kind of put scaffolding around that to have conversations about mental well-being, but also physical well-being, and, and it's been really interesting to sort of see the, the evolution yeah. over the, the the last few weeks. Mm. Um, I think we've learned a lot about our culture. Um, you know, I think like many uh, businesses, we were a very head office centric culture. Um, and uh, moving virtually has been a real equaliser in that respect because everyone is is is, is remote um, uh, we are a very collaborative culture which has many many benefits but how do you kind of go from being collaborative um, uh, you know in an environment where you don't get the kind of the incidental conversations and the opportunity to kind of bring people in uh, opportunistically mm-hmm. um, and I think the other thing though that's a benefit for me is, is we've learned so much more about each other um, through this process. We've made more of an effort to connect on, on mm-hmm. sort of Friday socials. Mm-hmm. Um, we know more about each other's pets, uh, we know more <laughs> about each other's children. And, and, yeah. and I think, you know, for me, that's an opportunity. We've broken down what was historically a challenge of, I'm working from home and I might have my, my child uh, at home and, and uh, wouldn't it be embarrassing if they came in and how do I deal with that to actually that just being accepted norm now? So for me, you know, the, through this there's, there's been real challenges, but I think in the last couple of weeks, it's turned into opportunities about how we bust some ways of working uh, and change the way we work for the better, you know, as we return to our, you know, new normal over a prolonged period.
3: Mm, mm. Yeah, we've already had a question about that around, you know, typically who have been the people or what have been the things that have prevented flexibility that have stood in the way, and how has that changed post-COVID from your perspective? Yeah.
2: Look, I think there's been some, um, you know, QBE again have, have some phenomenal policies and a phenomenal approach to uh, diversity and inclusion, um, great principles, tech enabled um, for the most part, um, but I, I would say that there were two, there were two barriers. One, there were some uh, tech challenges. So, you know, we have a, a large call center that weren't necessarily flexibly and uh, able to, to, to work other than than in the office. Um, but also, I think it's it's um, it's mostly to do with uh, you know the, the the myths. You know, the myth mm. that you can only be productive in a work environment. The myth that somehow uh, you know productivity happens happens on a linear basis from nine till five. Um, yeah. and, and so I think for me, that's, that's been, um, you know, the, the greatest barrier. I also think, uh, you know, a, a real assumption that, uh, flexibility is, um, is something that men can't ask for. Right. Mm. Um, and, and th- again, this has been a phenomenal equalizer that shows people, you know, the product in terms of the output. Um, has has largely been maintained mm. um, and and people are seeing phenomenal benefits from from having the flexibility of 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 uh you know uh, being able to work from home and in some instances avoiding that commute um, mm. and people are kind of craving the 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 social connection and so they do want you know similar we we surveyed our employees and and uh uh, you know, eighty-five percent do want some form of work-from-home arrangement on a long-term basis, but the majority of them want to balance. Um, and so, and so, I think that's what people want, right? The the, the combination.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's always been so elusive, you know, hasn't it? And I think we're at this you know, moment juncture in time where we can actually start to normalize that and embrace it. And yes, I've also heard stories around people, you know, traditionally working in organisations where working from home just just wasn't the done thing. Um, Or flexibility, as you say, from the ideal worker was one that came to work, as you were saying, Kristen, as well, this sort of presenteeism kind of culture, um, which obviously lended itself really nicely to people who didn't have any other obligations, right? And so, you know, now recognising that. All of us have a role, don't they, in caring for the community, whether we're parents or not. For example, um, we all have a role. We all have a family that we belong to that needs us at some point, and being able to work that better, I think, is going to, you know, and, and equitably bring that into the, the way that we're working is going to be great level for so many people. And, and Shona, I'm really glad you picked up that point around men and flexibility, and we know that those figures. Um, have not been as high for men taking up flexible work arrangements, largely because culturally um, it's not really been seen to be, you know, the done thing if men are serious about their career. I, I agree, I think that's really become a, a great opportunity to show that both men and women can work flexibly and still have a really successful career and contribute mm. equally. And I, and I think that's a that's wonderful outcome for us all. Um, Stephen, I'd like to start to bring you into the conversation as well not only obviously do you see this from your own lens at KPMG but I'm sure KPMG is busy with lots of clients so you might be seeing this play out across lots of different companies and industries.
1: Yeah Emma, thanks very much. Um, I, I, I would echo um, uh, everything that Kirsten and um, Shona have said. Uh, I, I think if I, if I look more broadly Uh, clients and and obviously we're talking to clients all the time um, the experience is very similar Uh, I I think if you if you think about the immediate reaction um, uh, crisis the need to make sure that people are safe and secure and able to work the conversation is moving on now and I think um, Kirsten it was yourself that were talking about the the opportunity that this presents um, I think, uh, personally, I think it's a generational uh, opportunity that this presents to, to make some, some real changes that we've talked about um, and have anticipated but, but, but backed away from. I think we've, we've, we've had a real control delete moment uh, when it's come to, to, to workplaces. Uh, and I think that's a great uh, um, opportunity. I, I, I tend to think about the world um, and certainly the conversations I'm having at the moment, and I'm having a lot of them, um, that there, there are three real buckets of of, of consideration. Um, the first um, is is pretty much, and you've picked up quite a lot of those those commentary already. It's about how do, how do you move from having a small number of people working from home um, to actually the majority of your workforce uh, at home flexibly working. Some in great contexts, some in some really difficult contexts. The real challenges of of making that work, um, concern about health and safety issues mm. um, and all of those sort of considerations and now moving into as 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 the constraints are beginning to, to relax, how do we bring people back into the workplace. Um, my, my personal view again, and I, I think this resonates through cl- conversations I'm having with clients, I, I don't think it will ever go back to the way that it was and I hope it doesn't. Um, I think I think that this does present a massive opportunity. So I think there's the employee perspective on it and I'm using that in the broadest sense of the of, of the word, you know, the individual, the person within a work mm-hmm. context, um, what's been good, what hasn't been so good. You know, I, I was talking to one of my colleagues this morning that's going stir crazy working from home. Um, this particular individual is a big extrovert and is really craving the social contact and and to to physically be there. There are others of us, uh, and I'd include myself, that are very happy, sort of sitting on our own in a little corner some of the time. So I think think there's a whole load of, I'm a social animal, but actually I'm quite comfortable. I think there's a whole load of things that we have to listen to uh, in terms of people's experiences personally, uh, and what they would like and how this gives us an opportunity to uh, uh, to think about it from an employee's lens, which Kirsten I think was the point that you were making as well. Um, I, I think there are some subjects, and I haven't really gone into having this conversation at the moment, but I've started to think about it. I think the whole notion around how we think about talent uh, and, and, and those sorts of issues that we've taken quite a traditional view of uh, will need to sort of um, Question: Some of the assumptions there. My, I did say there were three buckets, and then I rambled off on the first one. My, my second bucket uh, is 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 the strategic imperative, the organizational imperative. Uh, um, I think in terms of organisations, um, you know, be they be they um, commercial or governmental or uh, whatever uh, form they're in, have an opportunity to think uh, uh, very seriously about. What is the workplace there for? How does it work? Why do we bring people together? Obviously, we bring them together primarily for collaboration, innovation. Unless, of course, you're in the command and control mindset, where that's just about presenteeism and seeing people. So, I think some of those assumptions around, you know, what is the workplace for and how do we use mm. it, um, is going to be really important. And I, and I, I do. I'm a, I'm a glass half full on this one. Um, I think we have some. If executive teams aren't asking themselves or beginning to ask themselves fundamental questions about that, then I think they're missing an opportunity. So I think the second bucket of stuff uh, is around uh, workforce capability, how we think about our value chains uh, um, uh, um, and work that's done within our organization versus outsourced or offshored, how we use technology. So, so these fundamental business discussions that are going on strategically have a very big people angle to it. And, and, and I think that as people people working in the people business, uh, we need to be at the forefront uh, of, of those. The third bucket for me, and I think this is a critical one, um, and you both, Shona and Kirsten, you've both alluded to this. That is around how we conceptualize and think about leadership and management uh the role of the leader the assumptions that leader makes and how uh, um, leaders lead uh in a world that is going to be fundamentally different from 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 what it's like now um i i don't think we can expect leaders to to just make that transition without some support i think we have to help them understand what it means uh, and put around them the support to help them be successful because there'll be some leaders traditional and i'm not putting any age around this there'll be there'll be some leaders that will be very uncomfortable because of the assumptions and what they've been rewarded for in the past so um mm. i'll stop there i think I, i'm i'm very much you know we're coming out of this crisis with a lot of opportunity i think people will exercise personal choice as well um, mm. they, they won't be prepared to go back to doing the long commute some people won't be prepared to go back to doing the long commute they'll want
2: mm. you know
3: Yeah, it's an interesting environment we find ourselves in, in terms of, you know, the future of leadership. You know, I'm glad you bring up that point around what must leaders start to stop, start, continue and in this case accelerate. We actually have had a good question around that. Um, This question is around trust and, you know, how do we continue to build trust with our employees and leaders virtually? Um, Because trust is so important if we're going to all start to continue to work from home and flex hours and start to manage ourselves uh, more in a more decentralized manner. Um, So how do we continue to build trust with employees and leaders virtually? Kristen, I might bring you in here because you have been working on this for a long time, Westpac, um, around flexibility being mainstreamed. Um,
0: Yeah, thanks, Em. I think, um, I mean, one of the things I've noticed is Pre, now that we've actually got um, everybody working from home and everybody in the same experience, it feels like there's actually a heightened level of accountability. Mm. So mm. it feels like um, like previously when one or two people might have worked from home and they, they're calling into meetings, you kind of forget that they're on the phone. And like we've got interstate people that have said, this is actually wonderful now because everybody's... Um, everyone's on the phone or everyone's on the video. So they actually feel much more connected and they feel like it's much more seamless for them. And it feels like um, there's, uh, you know, there there are new expectations that have been set. So you are expected to be on certain calls via video and there's a lot more check-in meetings um so from an outcomes perspective there's there seems to be a bit more rigour around milestones and around deliverables and um people are i think are the pendulum's probably swung over here because people are, are quite um specific about sharing what they're doing and connecting and things like that so i'm actually seeing trust um Go through the roof, you know. Like it, it's been um, quite interesting to see that care and connection that has also evolved. Um, to your earlier point about um, authenticity, I mean, people are. I mean, I've got an eight-year-old daughter who, and I've had steerco meetings where I've literally been, you know, running across the road on the phone and and you know trying to juggle half a dozen things at the same time. When um, and even when the kids were at home and not at school. And I think that people just saw another layer to you that you probably um, didn't show in the office. I mean, I know for myself in school holidays or after school care, I, you know, when I was at work, I was at work, whereas now it, it feels quite blended, um, which then leads to another issue, I guess, around boundaries and around, you know, um, the time that you're working because i've found that i've actually my hours have extended quite considerably because um i mean i guess it's because i'm working on this particular program of work at the moment but um it has meant that i've had to be quite disciplined about turning the laptop off at night or you know saying no i actually can't do a six o'clock meeting because i've got to do my homework with my daughter that sort of thing so Mm. um but giving people permission to actually say that um versus feeling that they've got to be always on still. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. It is interesting because, as you say before, we might have been able to, say, hide behind a facade around, oh, we don't really want to show people the pressure that we're under in our personal life trying to juggle kids because we've got to turn up and be really professional To work, and really, that you know, that band-aids have been ripped off, and we've had no choice but to be vulnerable in that moment and say, Well, this is my reality. But you're right, what it does is it builds empathy and and understanding that, gosh, you know, this is the common experience everyone's had. And I think it's been fantastic for people to appreciate just how hard it is to look after children and work, and that that is a great um, enabler for, I think greater um, ability to build more family-friendly workplace structures and also obviously improve gender equality because as we know so much of this has you know been at the feet of women to manage um, and manage silently just get on with it Um, but i think everyone's starting to see that gosh it takes a village (laughs) it's not easy Right, um, Stephen, I'm gonna bring you back in and, and Shona as we move to the next slide around um, ways of working, what the predicted change ahead looks like, because KPMG's done some predictions. Um, there's been obviously quite a few, McKinsey's done some, and the other firms have done some, but let's talk about what KPMG thinks is, is coming. What's gonna be the new norm, whether we like it or not? This is really where we're headed.
1: Stephen? I think I think we've already, well, yeah, I think we've already covered a, a lot of this, um, and I mean the points are captured there uh, in terms of, of of some of our predictions. Um, I think this this is a period of of that's allowed some fundamentally discontinuous change. Um, I think the workplace, the whole notion of the workplace uh, and why we bring people together, uh, um, is is being questioned and and provided the opportunity for rethinking it. Um, the second point around the measurement of work you know presenteism um, is has got to be gone I mean the the the, the, re- the notion that you come into the office uh, um, and 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 that that is a, a proxy for for work um, has always been uh, uh, flawed uh, but it, it you know now, that, that it's just not there at the end of the day. We need to have other ways of thinking about, you know, the inputs, processes, outputs, and outcomes of work. Um, I think all of us, uh, I mean, we're on Zoom at the moment, um, all of us have gone up this massive learning curve in terms of the use of technology. It was clunky to begin with as we got to grips with the functionality of it. All of us are, are fine, uh, all of us. I mean, I'm making a massive generalisation. <laughs> I think the majority of people that are using the technology uh, uh, are finding that actually, uh, um, you know, it can be really empowering. And and you know, uh, the number of Zoom parties—I've just—I became a dad a year ago, so I've got a one-year-old. The number of one-year-old parties that I've attended on Zoom <laughs> the last few months is has been, so that's the application of a platform to, to social context. So I, I think yeah. that's why I am so positive about the opportunities. I mean, the, the human tragedy, the economic uh, uh, costs and implications of this, we can't ignore that, but also there are so many opportunities to, to, to move forward. I think that the other point about remote working, uh, um, breaking traditional management views, I think that's absolutely right. One of the big questions is as well, and and um i think it was shona you talked about it in terms of culture um i'm not sure but i think it was you shona you, you made the, the point around what will this mean for our cultures uh, um where we've broken some of the nexus between mm-hmm. traditional organization structures presenteeism work uh, and a culture that's come from that So in a distributed workforce uh that uses a lot more technology what does what do all that mean for our uh, uh, for our cultures and then mm-hmm. finally you know there are and i was on a call literally uh, uh, just before uh, this particular call with, with with a client talking about um the health and safety implications of the people working at home longer term because many many people uh work off their the kitchen dining room table uh, um, you know, how sustainable is that? How do you think about mm. the support that we have to provide? Maybe the provision of further technology. Uh, I would think, Kirsten, you've you've been given a lot of thought to, to how you enable and support appropriately. Um, I, I'll stop there.
3: Mm. Shona, I'm going to bring you back in because, of course, one of the other challenges that we're dealing with as we look across the who's in the workforce, it's probably the most diverse we've ever had in terms of generations. So we've still got baby boomers, boomers, we're right down to Gen Z, and all of us have different levels of appreciation and adaptability around flexible work. You know, obviously, um, the younger generation has grown up with mobile technology and this idea of quick FaceTime calls and connectivity with friends is just second nature. Um, less so, obviously, for um, older generations um, who are using Zoom um, for the first time to have a virtual conversation. You know, what does that mean for um, you know our, our workforce as we start to think about these ways ahead? What do you predict? Yeah, uh, look, I think it's really interesting because I, I, I look at
2: the, the the ways of working we've we've just talked through, um, and and a lot of the stuff we've been talking about for a while, right? And technology's been there for a while, and um, and, and only getting better. And, and you're right in terms of generational differences and a bit like Stephen, my, my, my son attended my five-year-old attended a, a fifth zoom birthday party the other day and it was like chaos but never could i have imagined you know that that would be you know the, the, the way we kind of uh, celebrate birthdays um, and and I you know I, as I reflect on kind of we've been talking about ways of working and the things that need to, to change for a while but there's been kind of the barriers and blockages to to enabling that And once again, a very once in a generation unfreezing and a shakeup has occurred and and has really challenged some of those barriers. And and I think leadership's been one of the the barriers, but I also think Mm. um, adoption of technology has been one of those barriers. And so, you know, we have had historically um, a choice to engage or not engage in technology, right? Oh, look, I'll just I'll, I'll call you, or we'll do face to face. This this Skype thing doesn't seem to work, or the Teams thing. I don't I don't fully understand it, and um, and uh, you know it's 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 been a choice that many have had not to engage, um, and that barrier has been overcome in uh, in the, the the last months uh, because you know we've had to engage this way. It's also been an equalizer in that. Um, everyone hasn't had to engage in this way. And so everyone's had an equal um, level of participation. And and I think for us then the challenge is now we've overcome some of these leadership barriers and technology barriers, as we transition back into a blended workforce where we have some working from home, some seeing each other, some working remotely still, how do you keep up the positive benefits that have been gained through this experience? but applied in probably a more challenging environment where you have kind of that that blended approach in, in the coming uh, months and, and into 2021.
3: Mm. Yeah, I know it's certainly from a schooling perspective, for example, I know that the teachers in my school found it incredibly difficult to try and teach the children, the essential workers' children that were coming into the classroom and doing learning, and also have all these people, you know, students online needing to engage. So the same goes for the workforce. You know, if we're going to have a hold of people collaborating in an office, but it's not predictable who's coming in and who's going out and, and who's going to turn up for the day and who's online, it's really going to require leaders to really operate quite differently from typically how they've done it in order to make that work as you say and be less reliant on people being face to face we have to get awesome at communication at another level compared to where we've been and and that's not always easy so as we move on let's talk about um, some of these leadership challenges and uh, thank you for people's comments and questions that are coming through i'm doing my best to um host this and keep an eye on your questions and and get them answered. Um, Keep them coming through and and we'll make sure that we do leave some time to open it up to more. But um, I would like to explore this. We all agreed as a panel this was an important piece to cover because um so much of this is the success i guess of the future way of working is once again going to fall to the feet of probably um, the leaders that are you know remotely managing teams who have still got expectations on their shoulders to deliver results for the organizations they're working in Um, what does this mean for how they're going to need to lead um, and so we thought about, I guess, these, these four key points, um, didn't we? So I know that you've touched on some of them, Stephen, and I know this slide particularly resonated with you, Shona. You know, what when you um, look at that, you know, what really stands out for you as something that you're taking away, as something important that you'll think about for QBE leaders? I
0: mean, I
3: think for me it's what it's uh, leadership
2: as we navigate the next phase and, and sustaining the changes we want to sustain the expectation and leadership, I think will be even more significant and um, both in terms of how we lead, but, but challenging uh, in in some instances, some very long held mindsets around yes. how we do things and how, how my team operates mm. um, and, and, you know those uh, those belief systems are, are 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 you know many many instances you know long held over many years and, and are being challenged and there's a difference of flex in a crisis versus flex over a sustained period mm. and and so i think how do we uh and, and and stephen mentioned it around capability of of um you know the capability build right how do we lift the capability of, of leaders to uh, engage in a much more two-way conversation. Um, you know, never have I in, 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 you know, my kind of career gone out on a mass uh, email to, to sort of say to people, how do you want to work? You know, uh, you know, <laughs> how would you like to return to the work? And when you do return to the work, would you like to come back at all? Would you like to come back, you know, full-time or, or somewhere in between? And it's much more of a, a two-way dialogue, whereas historically it was, well, if you want flexibility, please opt in and let us know. Um, um, and and so the the challenge of leaders leaders to to navigate individual preferences is, is is I think um uh more important and then the challenge of leadership leaders to navigate uh, teams working on the same uh, problems but working in different uh, places and potentially at different times and mm. and I think for me it's it's how. Um, we support leaders to, to ensure that they're, they're able to, 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 to blend their styles to get the, the, the best out of that, that new arrangement. And, and I think for me, that's, that's the, the biggest uh, challenge, right? Um, and there's, there's a number of things we're doing in, in, in that in terms of we're, we're implementing a, a care, what's called a Care and Connect series so, so leaders understand what their obligations are, um, the, uh, our expectations are of them. Um, And also then how do they care for their their employees as as they're returning to the workplace and or choosing to to work from a a different location?
3: Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that's absolutely essential. I mean, the reality is that leaders are gonna need to be equipped um, with the permission and the skill set needed to navigate some of these changes for sure. And it does bring into question, as you say before, it was like, oh, if you'd like to work flexibly, you kind of need to apply and we'll consider it and we might, you know, grant that or we might not and, um, and uh, we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really probably isn't gonna wash, right, going forward, because, you know, it's difficult, isn't it, to say to a whole lot of people, in March and April right you're all working from home please use your home to do your work and impose that on someone and then in a few months time to say well actually that doesn't suit us anymore you must come into the office yeah it kind of doesn't wash does it and so we have to figure out how we work with each other to get these sort of joint outcomes that help us to perform
1: so I think if I can jump in I I agree with that absolutely I think that there's there's a real reciprocity and challenge here we use the word trust earlier um I, I mean i heard of a number of instances um where uh, leaders uh, in uh, some organizations it was minority so so let's be clear about that you know very uncomfortable about having people working from home because it went to their fundamental value system uh, mm-hmm. around beliefs uh, um, I think that there are a couple of of, of observations I'd make. One of the talking to, to a very senior executive in one of one of the financial service organisations um, a few weeks back was was around the leaders that have. Um, actually, I'm going to stop just really briefly. If I, my definition of leadership, by the way, just for what it's worth, um, you know, the role of the leader is how do you create the environment and context for enabling individuals to to be of themselves give of their very best perform the very best they can and see the possibility and have hope for the future that's for me the role of the leader how do you create that the context that we're in now means that that's very different to, to 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 the situation that it was before the task is still the same the outcome is still the same that you want people to perform to their very best and you want people to have the opportunity to learn and grow but you've got to execute that and do it in a different way and i think that is going to be the real that's going to be the real challenge for for leaders where it's more comfortable for them to operate in a more traditional type structure the other thing is as well we all know this and i'm maybe going to go out there a bit the leaders that spend the whole time managing up uh, um, that's going to be a damn sight harder for them in this environment so that's why i'm full of positive You know, there is so much opportunity here for good stuff to come out of what has been a crisis. And leadership for me, you know, it's not the beginning and end of it, but it's pretty much the beginning and end of uh, 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 a load of this stuff.
3: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, great, great definition. Um, Love that. Kristen, I'm going to bring you in here around the importance of this sort of mental health and wellbeing responsibilities that now leaders have. Um, you know, I guess imposed on them whether they like it or not, because we do see that leaders will be first responders. Um, they are going to be the ones that are hit with their team members really struggling to return to find the right kind of arrangements that are going to work for them. You know, how is Westpac preparing leaders for, to be that active first responder to be able to look after the mental health and wellbeing and flexible needs of its teams?
0: um yeah thanks em i mean we're really fortunate that we've got a lot of resources so we have a mental um chief chief mental health officer um and he has been instrumental in the last couple of months in terms of providing i guess a whole series of podcasts um we've created like an online portal from a well-being perspective we've you know, created guides and counselling op- opportunities. So people um, and I guess tips for leaders around how to care for your people um, in this current environment. So, and and also it's from a leadership perspective, our CEO has embraced that. So um, Peter has uh, instigated a weekly call and normally that would be, you know, to the top, you know, a couple of layers of an organisation. But what he's done is, like, on a Friday morning, he now does a call to, you know, the 30-odd thousand um, employees across um, Australia and people have the opportunity to call in and and listen um, to right, you know, right from the top and and actually ask questions live. And it's been, um, you know, from a cultural perspective, I think it's gone... um, you know, a huge way in terms of embedding some of this new normal around um, it's okay to speak up, it's okay to be authentic. And he himself has been very, I guess, vulnerable as well around what he's experienced, what his family's experienced. And, and what I've seen is then the leadership cascade that down the line. So we've now got new operating rhythms where we have, um, you know, check-in calls And we've framed that up for people around how to have some of these conversations. And we've got a a pilot group coming back into the office um, next Wednesday. So we're going to try and get another maybe about a thousand people back in across across, um, Australia. And one of the first categories that we asked for was... um, if anyone's struggling personally or they, that they have for personal reasons, they want to come back in. Um, that was the first criteria that we wanted to meet. So we've got a, a hundred or so people that have kind of put their hand up and said, look, for personal reasons, um, I really want to come back into the physically come back into the office. So that was the, the criteria to, to kick, kick it off. And then there's obviously other pieces around productivity and, you know, regulator wanting our traders back in and things like that. But um I, you know I feel really good about the fact that that's that's where we started that's what we started with so um yeah so that that's been good
3: yeah it's a priority from the top all the way yep. down so your executive yep. have decided that you know health and well-being mental health and well-being is paramount um and they're prioritizing that in their operating rhythms by the sounds of it through you know yep. those kind of uh, uh you know interventions, for want of a yeah. word. Um, and also from a safety,
0: safe. sorry, also from a safety perspective. So we've got two streams running. So there's a, there's a real safety lens from coming back physically into the workplace and also working from home. So we're looking at, you know, the ergonomics side of things from home and mm-hmm. um, I think it was Stephen said before, like in a bit of a rush, everybody was like, right, you've got to go home. So now we're in retrospect going back and saying, well, have you actually got the right work from home kit um and um you know it's a bit of an extension of the the dining room table and making sure that everybody has the right setup because Mm. this is probably going to be a a longer term stint to what we originally had planned.
3: Mm. I love the idea of having a work from home kit like if you're going to be working from home here's the kind of things that you need to obviously prepare and uh you know, have in mind, which is great. And Shona, you touched briefly on your Care and Connect series. Um, I think that's a great initiative. Tell us more about what that is, because I think that's also something practically that, you know, organisations that are perhaps, you know, less fortunate than the larger ones uh, could actually instigate and implement in their own workplaces easily enough. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think we've done uh, two, two things to, and uh, C, uh, Justine Justina uh, a question in terms of what yeah. some of the practical things that we're doing to address, and, and certainly our Care and Connect series is one of those. Um, the, the other thing we're, we're, we're doing is, um, which I think is more to touch on, is, is having conversations at the exact leadership team level around how do we want to change our culture mm-hmm. and what's the tone we want to set from the top. Mm-hmm. And we've come out um, and are working with uh, the exec leadership team around some cultural norms that we want to change through this process.
3: Um, mm. And so
2: I think one of the practical things is that very conscious decision to change our tone from the top. Um, mm-hmm. The other then element is this Karen Connect Series, which has been rolled out um, virtually to, to all our um, managers, our leaders. And and really, it's it's a it's a a series of um, uh, sessions, QV sessions, focused on um, understanding first your obligations and your expectations as as a leader, and then drilling into uh, specific um, practical how tos. So you know, how do you deal with uh, you know a situation where someone is struggling with work life balance? How do you how do you deal with a situation where someone is struggling with um, uh, you know, health and safety matters. How do you, how do you deal with a situation where when someone is struggling with um, with their overall being? How do you manage a team that is mm. a remote? How do you manage a team that's blended? And so being very, um, you know, uh, backing up our expectations with 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 pragmatic skills. And so, you know, you've set the expectation, you've got the skills, and then you can hold managers a- a- accountable um, to, to, to that. Um, and I think that then the other thing we're also doing is, just in, in this concept of, of mutual accountability, um, arming our employees with information. And so part of the return to, to work series or part of return to work is, is making sure that employees are completing uh, some online training themselves so they understand their obligations and, and the process of, of, of you know, returning to, to work. So really, it's that kind of holistic, you know, how do you turn the, the support into, into practical uh, measures um, that that help you kind of go to the next phase, but then also sustain those changes.
3: Mm. Yeah, look, I think that's you know obviously critical that we're as I said preparing leaders for the change that we're expecting that they're going to manage through. There's you know there's no way one executive team could do you know just one or two things and expect that it was going to work. It's it is about definitely being able to roll out a series of support that works for leaders on the front line to actually achieve some of these cultural changes that we're obviously trying to make. Mm. Um, As we sort of start to reimagine and we we start to kind of wind down this call um, from where we're at now, I've got another five minutes to go, how might we reimagine work and life? And I think you've started to answer that question around what you're thinking um, you're doing in your particular workplaces. But I would really... Love to hear from everyone else as well to join the conversation because um, we've all got views on perhaps what this might look like. I don't think there's anyone I haven't spoken to that hasn't got an opinion on this around reimagining what their ideal work and life might look like. Um, and we do know that some organisations are definitely, you know, trialing more, are going to trial the four day week, for example. Um, they're going to, you know, some are looking at this permanent remote working option and looking at the, the way that we work in our office space, being more, um, you know, community engagement um, kind of working hubs, whether they're in the city or they're out in other local areas where people live, um, that will reimagine the way that we use work office space rather than a place, as you say, Kristen, where we began this conversation, where work is a place that, you know, you come and do it, that um, actually it's, it's a place that you come and, and engage and collaborate and, and socialise and actually you could do your work um, you know, wherever that might look, you know, be. So um, your final thoughts panellists and other people as you answer, um, send us in your Q&As and your comments around how we might imagine work and life from here on in.
1: Okay, uh, well I think everybody should uh, um, have pretty much caught up with the fact that I'm very positive uh, about the opportunity, both for uh, uh, employees, if I use that, and for employers to think about redefining the workspace, uh, what the workplace is and, and what work means. Uh, I think in terms of those five issues, yeah, I mean, we've referred to all of them as we've gone through the conversation. Um, mm. I think the final question I got asked on a call just before I joined this call was about, um, you know, what what could go wrong with it all? I think it's if leaders duck going, you know, actually duck leading into the, to the, and executives, the the tougher questions about what have we got the opportunity to do now? I think that would be the missed opportunity. And I think for, uh, for individuals to, to have actually thought about, well, now I've experienced this, what does this mean? I want for the future. Um,
3: Kristen,
0: your view. Yeah, I agree, Servan. And I think for us, it's around, I mean, I, we've been working through this for, for a number of years, um, where your workplace ends up being a choice, I guess, around a combination of working from home, maybe a, a community hub or a, a co-working space. And then you come into head office or the mothership, so to speak, um, very limited. So maybe even a, one day a week. Um, I can actually see, I remember a number of years ago saying that was probably like a 10-year um, view. I can actually see that, you know, happening in the very short term. Um, so I, I'm really excited by that. I personally have found it um uh, wonderful working from home. I've had to, I've been able to spend more time with family, and it, it's been great. And I still feel as connected with a number of my work colleagues as I as I was before. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about the future. And I and I think from a HR and a workplace perspective, it presents us with some amazing opportunities to to reshape the future and reshape people's flexibility and balance in life.
3: Yes, and it's it, almost we're at time and such a great note to finish on. But Shona, I, I'd like to give you a last comment as well. Um, your views on imagining where, where oh, we go from here.
2: Yeah, and, um, and I know we're almost at time. So, I mean, I think for me, uh, I don't think we'll ever have an opportunity like this again to, to fundamentally make some changes to the way we work. Uh, and so let's not waste the opportunity is, is my kind of uh, thought.
3: Yeah, exactly. And look, on that note, that is over to you, everyone listening. So if you're in a role where you can actually influence potentially how your workplace redefines flexibility, the future of work, this is your time um, to really rise and and really reimagine what it might look like to get the most out of your um, workplace flexibility. So thank you very much for joining us. If you are interested in any further information around what any of the three panellists shared um, or around uh, future of work and family and friendly work environments, you can find that at uh, info at parents at Please email me and I'm happy to um, respond and, and get you in touch with some of the panellists today if you'd like to ask them more questions. Thank you very much Shona, Kristen and Stephen for your time today, much appreciated as always. Thank you very much, have a great day everyone.
0: Thanks, Thanks
3: everyone, bye. Thank bye. You. Okay, bye.